Hello, and welcome to the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm Molly Gamble, Vice President of Editorial Beckers, and today delighted to connect with Jacqueline McCaria. Jacqueline is the president of New York Presbyterian Queens. Welcome, Jacqueline. I- I'm so thankful to connect with you today. Thanks for being here with me. Happy to be here. Thank you. Well, I shared a really brief introduction for you, Jacqueline, but I was hoping you could kick us off today by sharing a bit more about yourself, your career, and your organization for a minute. Sure. Um, So as you mentioned, I'm currently the president of New York Presbyterian Queens. Uh, We are a regional hospital of the New York Presbyterian Enterprise. Uh, I have been here for about seven years. Uh, I was a senior vice president at New York Presbyterian in Manhattan for 15 years prior to coming to Queens. Um, I was drawn to this organization really because uh, I grew up in Queens and there have been several hospitals that have closed in the neighborhood and there was really a need for uh, excellent care in in a borough of two million people. Um, my organization is growing uh, as it um, as we bring more specialists here and enhance the partnership with New York Presbyterian and Wild Cornell Medicine. It's really taken the healthcare of the neighborhood to the next level, and we're really uh, very proud of that. Seven years in Queens, 15 in Manhattan. I'm going to circle back to that point in itself in just a moment. But before we do, you mentioned the neighborhood Queens. Really interesting place for healthcare. It's one of the most ethnically diverse counties in the country. No one group holds the majority in that borough. As you well know, Jacqueline, I'm curious, how does this really unique characteristic come back to inform your strategy and your work as president of this 535-bed hospital? That's a very good question. Um, You are right. On any given day, about 50% of our inpatients do not speak English. And uh, although the Asian population is a big piece of our patient population, like you correctly stated, it's extremely diverse. So I think we have about 43 different languages that pass through our doors. And, you know, learning what to do with each culture um, is really embedded in every decision we make. So what we try to do is to cater to everyone, to be uh, curious about traditions um, and cultures, We hire staff that really represent the community that we serve. Uh, We we try to hire physicians that represent the community that we serve. But because it's so diverse, we will never really be able to uh, keep up with the number of languages and dialects and cultures. Um, But everything we do, we do with the mindset of caring for a diverse community, whether that's collateral material, whether that's videos, whether that's um, devices to translate into languages 
to enhance the communication to patients. Everything we do at this campus is really enhanced um, by this diversity uh, population that we have. 50% of the inpatient population does not speak English, like you said, any given day, Jacqueline, 43 different languages. Just recapping a couple of those stats you had shared. You know, the past few years, DEI, and deservedly so, it's taken such a forefront place in terms of commentary, literature, research, discussion, data. In your seat, Jacqueline, given how diverse New York Presbyterian Queens is, is there any big part of this work that, or a dimension of it that you feel is not perhaps as widely discussed, perhaps is something that can be taken for granted or creep into the background if leaders aren't careful? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we actually partner with New York Presbyterian in the city to deal with a lot of the these issues. Um, there is a center called the Dalio Center that's whole focus is dealing with diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, you know, we have been dealing with these, these populations for, for decades, certainly long before I got here. But the one thing that we're focusing a lot on now are the social determinants of health. Um, what is happening in a patient's life that may adversely impact uh, their ability to seek care, their ability to have prevention, uh, their ability to be educated around disease, uh, food insecurity is something that has risen to the top, um, and we've worked a lot with uh, community groups to deal with uh, providing food to our communities. So we're doing a lot of community work um, even before somebody becomes a patient here. Uh, we have a large network of community-based organizations. We do a lot of screening uh, we hope to roll out in July uh, a mobile unit that will be dealing with um, teenagers who uh, need care or advice around pregnancy. So what we do is we assess the communities and where the need is, and teenage pregnancy rose to the top, food insecurity rose to the top, and access to care. So we try to develop our strategic plans so that we're really meeting the needs of the communities we serve. I'm going to loop back in just a moment, Jacqueline, to your tight ties to the Queens community, as you made mention of in your introduction. But I first wanted to go back to the fact that you've been with New York Presbyterian for a long time, more than 22 years. That's impressive longevity and loyalty to one system, especially in a world where job hopping and the great resignation and all these different concepts of exiting and leaving an employer has become even more of the norm. What has made you stay? New York Presbyterian, it's a great system. It has such a strong reputation and name, but I'm curious to hear from your experience, 15 years in Manhattan, seven now in Queens, why are you sticking with this system? <laughs> That's a good question. And I'm not the only one, by the way. I have some some of my friends who have been around even longer than I have. And, and I would say that um, there's just been a lot of opportunity afforded 
um, to me personally and to some of my colleagues. You know, I did not have the same job for 15 years. Uh, I got to New York Presbyterian as vice president for ambulatory care, and I just grew my portfolio over many, many years. Uh, I was then promoted to a senior vice president, and the work that I uh, did really was um, across many of the campuses. So one day I would be at Cornell, one day I'd be at the Columbia campus, one day I would be up at the Allen Hospital, one day I would be in the community, and there's just a lot of diversity of work. There were also a lot of opportunities for me to learn and grow. So I was handed assignments and responsibilities, especially at the senior vice president level. Um, I was responsible for the patient experience across the entire enterprise, and I quickly had to learn what are HCAPs. I quickly had to educate myself on press gainy and what does it mean to create a great patient experience. So I think, you know, if we can tap into people's uh, zeal to learn, keep them stimulated, um, make sure they are valued and they know how much their contributions matter. I think that's what keeps people at organizations. And then at the 15-year mark, which was certainly um, a time in which I could have thought about leaving, when uh, they told me about the opportunity at Queens, I decided that that would be great also to try to bring excellent care to the borough. So I think depending on the organization, if there are opportunities afforded to people, um, it, it's not impossible to, to keep people um, working there for a long time. Mm -hmm. It sounds like from what you just illustrated, you never got too comfortable. And it sounds like that really works for you, Jacqueline. The zeal to learn, like you said, I also love as much as we're talking about the diversity of the Queen's patient population, the diversity you just described in your work, like you said, so important. Um, going back to the Queen's piece, you know, you had mentioned you were born in the borough. Is, is that right? Yeah, I grew up in Queens. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a city girl. I went to uh, high school in Manhattan. I went to college out in Suffolk County, SUNY Stony Brook, and back to Manhattan for graduate school. So I'm definitely a New Yorker. Um, and I saw over the decades that the care in Queens was really um, concerning. A lot of hospitals closed. And I think that was part of New York Presbyterian's um, commitment to the borough that they saw we could fill a gap. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes, I mean, I, as an outsider, it seems as though at times the high rate of turnover and churn that can happen at the top of hospitals can really indirectly hurt the communities. And it, it, just because it's tough to make serious progress or long-lasting change when there's a lot of change at the top, leaders coming and going, rebuilding teams around them. Um, so, Jacqueline, you are in a different seat in a bit. You're, you've been there seven years. You're from that community. You grew up there. Can you talk a bit about how that also informs your leadership style? You are really a homegrown leader for that borough. 
Yeah, I am, and I think people respect that. Um, I can also tell you that the team that I put together when I got here was mixed. I brought in um, some people from the outside, from other organizations. I brought in a chief nursing officer from one of the campuses at NYP. And then I leveraged some people that um, were here before me. And I can tell you um, most of the team, except for uh, somebody who recently retired, is still with me. So we don't have a lot of turnover here at the top. And I think the community um, values when they see the same people at community meetings, at the community board, at the board level. And I think they value seeing people that they saw when they were an occupational therapist who's now a vice president. So it really shows the community that we're a great place to work and there are a lot of opportunities for them or their children or their friends to come and work here and really work their way up to the top because we have a lot of success stories of people uh, who rose through the ranks starting out as, as environmental service workers or therapists or nurses and are now directors or senior directors or vice presidents. I love that. Seeing that firsthand over a period of time, also seeing familiar faces show up for decisions as important as those in healthcare, it means a lot to a community. So Jacqueline, I want to thank you for your time with me today, your, your great leadership and, and work at New York Presbyterian Queens. Is there anything we didn't touch on that we'd be remiss not to? No, I, I think that about covers it. You know, we're just very fortunate that it was a, a good hospital before. It's been here since 1957, and the partnership with New York Presbyterian and Wild Cornell has just allowed us to build on what was already here and take it to the next level, and we'll continue to do that, we hope, for many decades to come. Likewise, I hope the same, and I think a great story of a powerful system investing in its local community. Jacqueline, I, I think stories like that, we can't hear enough of them right now. So thank you so much for elevating yours with our listeners, and thanks for your time and joining me today. Thank you so much. Great to speak with you.